Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we have, a, I'll say a frequent guest at this point, a serial guest, maybe. I'll take not, it. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if serial murderer is like <laughs> yeah. three murders, right? I was thinking more like Captain Crunch or something I mean, like that. Yeah. I was thinking right. that type of serial. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, and, it's, it's a, a serial l- podcast guest. Sure. Sure. We'll, we'll, let's go with that. Okay. We'll go with that. Anyways, I'm Mitch. We've got Matt Winsenreed in the booth here. We have Nate in the booth here. And Dan, of course, is doing our audio stuff like he usually does. So, Dan, is it, are you on the ones and twos? Is that what they say, Dan? Or is that the, that's the video? Is that more of a video term when they say that? He can't talk. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a microphone. And we're going to say he's on the ones and twos. <laughs> we don't, don't even give right Dan right a, an option to respond no, right now. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so today, having Matt in the booth here, is great because one, he's familiar with the podcast and he's a rock star. And two, we are in quite the real estate environment. I'd say probably nationally, but definitely in Dane County here in the Madison area. And we want to not just say, yeah, the market's crazy because for the most part, people probably realize that, especially if you are buying or selling a home. But we want to dive into what do offers actually look like nowadays from the buy side? You know, what are some of the things you're putting in an offer and also on the sell side, what are considerations you should be thinking about when you're selling a home? So that said, Matt, could you do a quick intro again for the folks that don't necessarily know you or maybe they don't remember your background? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I'm Matt Winsenreid. I run the Matt Winsenreid Real Estate Partners team with Realty Executives. I'm born and raised in Madison, grew up here on the west side. So I um, absolutely love uh, absolutely love doing business here where I grew up, knowing the area so well. Um, I run a team. There's nine of us here and we focus uh, on Dane County real estate, specifically helping people buy and sell homes and condos in the area. And yeah, this is my 15th year of doing it. And this year has been um, the, the craziest year out of all 15, even worse, I would say, than, than um, when the bubble burst and the craziness. This has just been really intense and, and lots of challenges for um, specifically for buyers this time around. But um, but we're working through it and we're finding a lot of success lately. And, and uh, we're going to make this uh, one of our best years ever. And I can relate to the buy side because my wife and I are trying to move, right? And, and we've actually, we've put in a few offers and it's just, it's crazy, right? It is. And, and there's some strategies that Matt and his team can help, whether it's myself and Kaylee, right? Or a lot of their other clients as far as, hey, here's some of the things that we've seen on the team because there's a bunch of buyer's agents and here's some of the things that actually make a, a really competitive offer. So it's good to just tap into someone like Matt, someone like the people on his team, just to figure out what's going to actually get us up to the plate and, and have a chance at, at getting this property. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are, what are some of the things let's start on the buy side? Sure. So what are, what are some things that, that people might be including in offers that maybe historically they haven't, or in some cases excluding in offers? Yeah. Well, locally, I mean, this is all market specific. I just heard a story from this past weekend, this past weekend where somebody in California, their realtor offered a trip to Hawaii to the sellers to accept this offer. So I haven't seen that yet. I would love if somebody wants to give me a trip to Hawaii to uh, get their offer accepted. But um, locally, what people are doing, I mean, the number one thing is have make sure you've talked to a lender and you're pre-approved. No seller is going to pay attention to you if you haven't got your finances um, 
uh, in a row and you have a, a pre-approval letter from, from a bank. So having that specifically, and even better if it's a local lender, if you're working with somebody um, that has an office here in town that has a good reputation amongst realtors, um, that's going to make your offer look even stronger, something that we're more comfortable with. We see a lot of online um, banks and lenders come through, and we've seen a lot of those fall apart just because they're not used to the nuances of the Madison market um, with what needs to happen and the appraisers that need to go out. So having um, having a local lender really uh, puts you uh, ahead of the game uh, in the competition there that way. Um, and then after that, you have to write a strong price. And so what we've been doing on top of just the, the initial offering price is doing an escalation clause. So I'm saying, hey, we'll offer 300000 for your property. If somebody else offers three hundred two, we'll beat that next higher number by 1000 or $2,000. And we'll do that up to a cap that we feel comfortable with. And we've put that cap up to $100,000 over the asking price. So it's sometimes it's like, hey, we'll offer you $300,000. We'll beat the next best offer up to $400,000. So, um, you know, hopefully you don't have to go up there to win the uh, to win that offer. But sometimes in, in this market, we've had that where we've gone up to $100,000 and still lost out on the um, on the offer just because, uh, again, this market is is just really incredible. And that's on a $300,000 list oh, price? We just had that on a $600,000. We wrote okay. $600,000 with a hundred and two over. I like to go just over that threshold, so hundred and two, and uh, we missed out on it. Somebody went even higher than that um, wow. to, to beat us out to get the property. So help and, us understand, man, what, yeah. what average right now? How many offers is the average, like, solid property? I mean... You know, in the first week, are they getting three offers? Are they getting 30 offers? Yeah, right. Well, now we're starting to see things light, lighten up a little bit. So if you're talking February and March this past year, we would... The, the more incredible thing was the amount of showings on properties. Sure. And so we were getting to a point where, uh, because of COVID, we weren't doing overlapping showings. So I was just taking you into your home, into the home, maybe with your spouse, and we'd see the property, and, and we'd have like a 15 to 30-minute window to see the home, and that's it. Well, what, what would happen, you only have so many 15 to 30-minute windows over a weekend, so they, was, they would get full, and the sellers would v- review the offer Sunday night or Monday. So you'd have three days of showings, and if you didn't fit into one of the available time slots that didn't work in your schedule, you weren't seeing that property. So there were, there were multiple times this, this spring where properties were sold out. You want to see the home, your schedule is completely wide open, you want to go see it, we couldn't get you in, because right when it hit... All those buyers already reached out to the realtors to get into the property. So that was one obstacle. So you're talking four showings an hour, mm-hmm. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're talking 48 showings a day. From Friday, Saturday, all day Sunday. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's the competition we were seeing. And so that would then get, so some buyers would see that and be like, well, I love the home, but I'm sure they're going to get 50 offers. So they just won't even write. So that took some buyers out of the picture, but we'd still end up with 20 offers I'd, I'd say right now we're probably closer to a solid home, probably closer to four to five offers um, that come in. And so, again, the strategy a seller is doing is saying, hey, we'll leave. We'll go out of town for a long weekend. We'll leave Thursday. Showings can start Thursday night or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we'll come back Sunday night and review those offers Monday and just get it all wrapped up. So the sellers can will just leave, go out of town, open <sighs> that house up for practically a tw- almost a 24-hour open house for you know three days and then come back pick an offer and have it all wrapped up. And that works out great if you have kids or dogs or anything like that, where you can just get out of the house for, you know, a long weekend and then just have it sold by the time you get back. Now, again, we're starting to see that lighten up a little bit. It's still pretty hectic, but in the thick of things, February, March, that's, that's what we were dealing with on the buying side. And so some of the strategies that we were using, again, was running that escalation clause. But on top of that, we also want to talk about the inspection. And we want the seller to pick our offer and know that we're not going to come and ask for a laundry list of things that we want them to do that came up on the inspection. 
So some people, they felt comfortable, they would re remove the inspection overall. They just say, we're not going to have it inspected. Whatever comes up, we'll just deal with it. We want this house so bad that we'll even take whatever might be hiding, you know, behind the walls. That still blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's taking risk there. But on the other hand, if people are under uh, some kind of urgency where they have to be out of their lease, they're moving to town for a job, like they need a home. They're like, and hey, I was going to go 100000 over the asking price anyways, so... I have, I'll just use that extra cash I was going to use to get the property to pay for whatever came up on, you know, once we're in the home to take care of it there that way. The other thing, kind of the next level down, what we've been doing is putting a buffer in on the inspection saying, hey, as long as nothing major comes up, it has to total over $5,000, $8,000 worth of items on the inspection. As long as it stays underneath that, uh, that, that number, we'll get contractors out, get some bids back then we're good taking it. But if it's something major that like, hey, the furnace needs to be replaced, the roof needs to be replaced, we will cover the first $10,000 and we'll just ask you to pitch in the next 3,000 to cover that roof or something to kind of give them a little, little give and take. So that was kind of the next level down from just completely removing the, the inspection contingency. And some people are still putting in a full inspection contingency and that just wasn't going to be competitive in, in this market. And, and again, um, hopefully we'll see that come back in a little bit. I, a lot of realtors love having a little bit of a, a buffer there anyways on the inspection. You're rarely buying a new house. Things are going right. to come up. So to, to at least know that, hey, the first $2,000 of things come up, that's just part of you know being a homeowner. We're just looking for major things after that. So we'll see if that, that carries over as the market corrects itself. Um, but paying attention to to that. Then the, the next piece, which is really important as well, is the appraisal. So again, you're writing, hey, I'll I'll get financing up to $100,000 over the asking price of your home. But the bank will send an appraiser out and say, hey, it's not worth $100,000 over the, the asking price of the home. It's only worth $25,000 over the asking price of the home. So, um, so a buyer has to be cognizant of that and say, all right, I'm going to cover that gap, that difference between what the home's uh, you know, what the purchase price or whatever the, the appraiser comes back at. Hopefully the appraiser is like, hey, yep, this market is I intense. Values are jumping up really quickly. We know that this is pretty close to what the value uh, should be for the home. So there's not that big of a gap or no gap. But in the off chance, the appraiser does say, hey, there is a $25,000, $30,000 gap here. The buyer is going to say, hey, regardless of what that appraiser comes, appraisal comes in, we're going to cover that difference. Your, your lender will make you still have to have an appraiser for the whole process. But you can choose to waive it if you have the funds in hand, and that's where, um, again, a really strong offer on the buyer buyer side will say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna come with a local pre approval letter. We're gonna say something about the um, appraisal or the inspection, whether we're gonna waive it completely or put a buffer in there, and then we're gonna cover the appraisal. We're gonna say that whether you know we're, we'll cover up to the first ten thousand dollars of it, or we'll cover the whole thing, but we'll speak to the appraisal if it comes back low." That's going to give a seller confidence to accept that offer, knowing that there's going to be very few contingencies in an offer, um, and it's going to look way better than somebody else that's going to write a traditional offer that has all these contingencies in there um, that's just going to um, potentially have them come back to the seller, ask them to reduce the price, ask them to get out of the contract. The seller is going to want to get the more sure bet of a property, of, of an offer. So um, those are the main things in there um, that we've been uh, coaching our our buyers to do to make sure they get um, get the property in this competitive environment. So if somebody's prepping a house to sell it right now, I mean, I can understand that somebody with, with what you just said literally could think to themselves, I don't have to do a thing to my property. I'm going to just throw us for sale sign out. And so, I mean, people still need to be cognizant of the fact that they need to have their house in, you know, kind of a show condition, right? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, so it's not as much as it had to be, right? So back in, you know, when the market was more of a buyer's market, Every seller I talk to is like, hey, it, our stagers going to come in and they're going to give you tips and they're going to give you, you know, if they give you 10 tips to do to get your home ready, do all 10, 
our back and have her give you some extra credit because apples at apples homes we're going to be looking at we need to we need to stand out we need to be the one that they choose if they're looking at 12 different homes and they just want to choose one we want them to choose ours and this market if my stager comes through and says hey here are 10 things uh, you should do to sell your home if you do seven of those 10 things I'm going to be happy. You're going to be happy. The results are going to be great. We don't need to. We don't need to bend over backwards uh, in this market because it's so competitive. Um, and real quick, I'll interject. If you maybe don't know stager, the term stager, essentially that's someone that you can probably connect with through your your realtor that you're working with, right? And just ask them, hey, who are some people that can come into my house? They literally just do a walkthrough. Sometimes you send them pictures in advance, and they just give you, like you said, maybe the ten tips of here are ten things that could increase the value of your home by thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in some cases, just by making some few tweaks, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. I'm um, glad you brought just that up. A little bit of background there as far as what a stager is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the, with our services, that's included. So we have somebody in mind who's, who does uh, great work and she'll come over, uh, take a peek at your home. Sometimes it's just rearranging the furniture to make sure that each room feels a little bit more welcoming and comfortable. Maybe it's going to Target and get some throw pillows and rugs and blankets that all tie together a color um, a color scheme throughout the home to make it feel a little bit more welcoming that way. So um, so again, we, you don't need to bend over backwards. And now in this market, it's a good opportunity to sell a home that's like on a busy road or if there's certain things that are challenging, um, challenges about the home that maybe you didn't love when you bought it, it might be a good opportunity to take it now because buyers are so desperate um, to find a property, they'll buy the ones that are normally a, a struggle to, to, to sell anyway. So sometimes you can take advantage of this, offer, this market be, on the selling side because again, you don't have to do 10 out of 10 or 12 out of the 10 things to get your house ready. If it's a home that normally has some challenges on it, we just sold one across from a, um, a high school on a busy road um, that was up on a hill, like kind of three strikes in, in a, an average market against it and we were able to sell it and get a great price for it. So um, you can take advantage of this market on that, if you have a, challenge, a challenging home um, for some obstacles there that way. That said, it might be difficult to find what's next. So you want to talk to your realtor, <laughs> make sure you know that you can find what, what you're looking for if you're going to move from your current home. Now, what are the uh, the price ranges? I mean, kind of rank these in terms of like this one is out of control, hot, and this one is hot but not not as crazy. I mean, what does that look like in our area? Yeah, right now, anything under 300000 is just flying off the market. That's gotcha. what's really the challenge. And what what's happening there is that we don't have enough sellers in the $300,000 price point to match all these these buyers. Now, the average price point, I believe it's three, or the median price point is uh, 340 now in, in Madison. So it's, it's up 16% from where we were a year ago. Um, and so with that, that's just, you know, a lot of buyers in that price point looking. So if you have a home under 300,000, you're going to have lots of competition on it because there's so few out there. So that's, that's a, a, the, the biggest um, demand price, price range, price point under three. Then as you start going up, 400,000, you're still getting some activity on it. 500,000, you're still getting some activity. And um, and then it starts tapering off a little bit. But we will see even jumps within some of those price points, depending on if you're, uh, you know, on a lake or if you're in certain neighborhoods that are a little bit more desirable. Um, or there's uniqueness to the home. You might have a $600,000 home that backs to the conservancy um, of some kind that that might just draw a ton of attention and get a lot of offers on it that way. Where a home two or three blocks over at 600,000 might get three or four, you know, offers on it might not have that much activity as much as some uniquenesses of homes that might draw some more activity on it. But yeah, right now, if, if you have a home that's under 300,000, um, you're going to get a lot of activity. You should get a lot of really good offers on it and should sell that one without any problem. So let's say then that, I'm a seller and I put my house in the market. I go out of town for four days, you know, do the, the things you're talking about, right? Get it staged, ready to go. And I get 
X amount of offers. Maybe you can fill in, you know, what X actually is, but I get X amount of offers. And then when you're reviewing these things, we kind of talked about this a little bit and you might be able to put two and two, you know, from the buy side, we already discussed the buy side, but what are the things then as I'm going through those offers, things to be on the lookout for, you know, maybe I'm enticed by that carrot of the Hawaii trip. I mean, <laughs> you know, but whatever that looks like, just walk us through that process when you're actually sitting down with your clients that are in the selling side. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the easiest thing is to get excited about the purchase price, right? You see an offer and it's again, hundred thousand, fifty thousand over whatever your, your asking price was so way more than you ever imagined you're, you'd get for your home. So you get really excited about that offer, but you really got to read through all the other details of the offer to see how strong is that offer to begin with? How, how much money is the, is the buyer putting down? Are they solid buyers? Again, is that pre-approval letter, a legit pre-approval letter? How recent was it? Did they get that like a year ago? Has anything changed in their job? Um, the job situation, or is it a, a re relatively recent pre-approval letter from a local lender that you know, or who called and said, hey, just so you know, these are outstanding buyers, they'll have no problem getting a loan. So you want to pay attention to the, the loan terms, and then also, yeah, well, how much are they putting down for down payment? Again, some of the other things we, we said are our strengths on the writing offer on the buyer, you have to pay attention to that on the selling side is, are they speaking towards the appraisal? Are they going to um, say anything about the inspection? Because they might write you an outstanding offer, but at the end of the day, if they're not saying anything towards the appraisal and the appraisal comes back low and now they're trying to renegotiate the price or they come and say, hey, there's a bunch of things on the inspection, we want you to reduce the price that way. So you really want to pay attention to the fine um, details, but those are the same type of things you're paying attention to, the appraisal, the inspection, other contingencies that they might put in there and again the strength of the buyer overall are are they um you know are they putting a, a decent amount 10 percent, 20 percent more down on on the um on the purchase then that's going to make you feel a little bit more comfortable about it so we've offered oftentimes accepted offers that weren't the best price overall mm -hmm. because when you start looking at the nuances of the offer you realize that it's not as strong or it's a more risky they might look good on paper but there's something about it that feels a little bit more risky mm -hmm. that looks a little bit more risky to take that one versus one that might be a sure bet for maybe a few thousand dollars less let me just open-ended uh, speak briefly, if you would, about new construction and where we at right now with that. I know everybody's talking about, you know, lumber costs, you know, construction costs, everything's kind of getting out of control. What does that market look like right now? Yeah, we need more new construction to help with this inventory issue that we're running into. But because of the, the lumber costs, builders are hesitant, right? And some of them have clauses in the in their um, contracts saying that if, if build prices go up X amount, they just pass that over to the buyer. So some buyers are getting nervous too, because they sign a contract with the builder broke ground or are moving towards the process of building a new home and these lumber prices and all the all the material prices are going up and um and there's clauses in some contracts so you have to be careful that's something you would never think about in the past is that like will uh, the builder pass the buck on to you to cover some of these um these rising values and some of these lumber costs. So we, we fortunately, Madison, we do have a couple of really big builders, uh, Viridian being the biggest one that are are still building homes and adding to the inventory and, and helping alleviate things that way. But the the struggle is everybody else, that the ones that don't have the buying power to have purchased lumber two years ago and lock in those prices, right? That still just need to adjust um, the sales price on the properties they're building. Now, thankfully, values are going up such that even if they have to spend more to build the product, that they're still getting a good price for it. So I think hopefully more builders are realizing that they can continue to build even though these numbers are a lot higher than they're used to because the values that they're going to get are higher than they're used to as well. But uh, yeah, that's there's a lot of good opportunities in building uh, new construction right now. Um, and we'll see if that helps alleviate some of this pressure that we're seeing in the inventory. So go ahead, Mitch. Oh, <laughs> we, I, we were both breathing in to yeah, say right something now. and tell at the same time. <laughs> 
So when it comes to, <clears throat> I'll say first time home buyers, because one of the, one of the price points you said was under 300,000 is hot. I mean, those things are just flying off the shelves. Right. And is that from a lot of first time home buyers that are, are currently renting and where I'm going with this is how does that affect rental prices in the area, you know, and, and are people like, are our rents being increased to the point where they're, they're almost being forced out and they want to buy, but then, you know, the prices of buying a home is going up too. So can you speak to that at all? Yeah, that's exactly it. So a lot, we do have a lot of first time home buyers and during the spring when they were really swinging and missing, a handful of them decided to renew their leases. They're, they're realizing that a Madison's where they want to, you know, make home for, they, they landed a solid job. They feel good about that. They want to put roots down in Madison. B, you know, uh, rent rates are expensive. And so if you're looking at comparing the two with how low interest rates are to purchase something, like, hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, pay a housing, uh, my, my housing allowance or whatnot, I'm going to might as well pay that towards buying something when it's roughly a little bit more, almost the same, depending on, you know, your down payment and whatnot. So, um, so a lot of people are thinking, hey, why, why rent when you can buy? But then what they run into is they're swinging and missing. And a lot of time, first time home buyers don't have that extra money in their back pocket to cover the appraisal or to, to be comfortable if uh, waiving the inspection or putting in a buffer towards the inspection. So some of them, though, they, they qualify. They can go to the bank and the bank says, hey, we'll qualify you, qualify you up to 275 Great, but if you you know you don't have much for a down payment and and don't have extra reserves um, to help cover some stuff, it it doesn't really put you in a strong position to beat out the competition. Um, now there's ebbs and flows throughout every year that you can take advantage of that. Around every holiday, we'll start seeing showing activity dip a little bit. We just came off that with Memorial Day, we saw showing activity dip. If instead of going out and spending time in the sun and on the boat or or golfing, if you're out looking at homes, you might have had an opportunity there to, to nab a house while everybody else, everybody else was, you know, enjoying the holiday weekend. We'll have another uh, uh, dip in, in activity come right around the 4th of July. I was just looking at stats the last three years. There's always a dip, like the 1st to the 7th, where showing activity on properties um, slow down. So if you can sneak in there and maybe instead of being in competition with 10 others, you're in competition with three others, and maybe you can be successful in getting that home. So, um, but yeah, with, with the the cycle that renters are on, a lot of them their leases come up in in March, April, May. Some of them are later in August, September, and so those people still can hold on a little bit longer to see if they can nab a home before they have to decide on on uh, renewing their lease or not. You know your audience well, sneaking golf in there because exactly. because <laughs> I I'm pretty sure Matt has actually told me he does not like golf, <laughs> but we at Wagner Condon do. Right. Well, it's a good treat to have as a realtor to not like golf because your summer is pretty much spoken for as it is if you're a real estate yeah, agent. Exactly. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I, every every summer I say, this is the summer I'm going to get into it. And then, you know, I just get <laughs> caught up working or, or right. doing some other fun things that Madison has to offer. So one of these, I am going to the driving range next week. So we'll, see. we'll see how there well you go. I Fuse is going to get lit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we'll see for sure. So before we wrap up today, um, we've asked you a lot of questions. I mean, is there anything else that you want to discuss or, or uh, just kind of throw out there as a piece of advice for people before we, uh, um, you know, close down the podcast today? Yeah, the main question I've been getting lately is just like, are we in a bubble? And should I just wait to see if values come down? And sure. all the indicators that I've been looking at locally and nationally, um, points that we're not in a bubble, and it doesn't look like values are going to come down. What we had to realize as realtors in Madison after maybe midway through February is that this is the new normal and that the values will just continue to go up. And so we might, instead of telling our clients like, hey, be patient, maybe we'll, you know, we'll try again later or maybe try again next year. Uh, we have to realize and say, hey, we might be fortunate that we found a home in 2021 versus what the prices are going to be in 2022, 2023. 
So I think the big thing here is not think that not be scared by how fast values are rising and say, hey, I'll just wait for it to slow down and wait a couple of years. Because even if things plateau a little bit on pricing, interest rates are still at an all-time low. We're hovering around 3% for a 30-year mortgage. That money is not going to stay that cheap for very much long, that much longer. So that said, people were thinking, well, I'll just wait, wait this out, wait this out. We had to come around and say, you know, in years past, maybe that would have made sense uh, in in. Um, looking at historical data, maybe that would make sense. But everything for Dane County, given the, all the major corporations we have continuing to hire, continuing to grow through the pandemic, there's a lot of desire for people moving into the area. That's going to kind of continue to push the housing market and values up. So if you people are, are sitting at home thinking, well, A, it's a bubble. I don't want to get in this and lose everything. Or B, that um, the, at some point the values will, will, will come down. Maybe there's definitely anything can happen. We just came through a pandemic and came through stronger on the other side here in Dane County. Um, a lot would have to happen for that to change. And again, anything can happen. But every, all the indicators that we're looking at is that values will continue to go up and people are looking to remote work in Madison. We have two different clients uh, move out from Boise, Idaho um, that are just remote working from from mm -hmm. home. We have clients moving from Colorado, Minneapolis, Chicago, remote working from a smaller city that they can get around with, don't have to deal with the traffic, um, lower cost of living. So Madison's going to continue to grow and um, values and houses are going to go, go up. So again, if you're sitting on sidelines thinking, I'll just wait for this to come down, it'll, it'll be bad. We might see some slow slowness in certain times of the year, fall, winter, things always slow down a little bit, but there's not going to be this huge drop in prices. And then you still have to pay attention to what the interest rates are doing. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us yeah, on another episode here. So it's always a good guest. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to any of us, whether it's an advisor here at Walkner Condon, whether it's Matt and his team directly. And I hope you all have a wonderful day and stay tuned for the next episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and is not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific security investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.